you ask, what is our aim? I can answer in one word, victory. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. But without victory there is no survival. Now we are the masters of our faith. My name is Rick Napier, the CEO at Real People USA LLC, located in Sacramento County, California. Real People USA is a consulting firm which promotes and coaches candidates who believe in our U.S. Constitution as it was written. I have a corporate background in management and sales at a Fortune 500 company uh, headquartered in Los Angeles and served 12 years in the United States Air Force as a combat communication specialist. I started Real People USA for such a time as this, when real people are noticing something wrong in our country, in our cities, in our towns. Today's Real People USA podcast guest is Brian Smith, who is a husband, a father, and an active Los Angeles County Sheriff Deputy. So without further delay, I want to introduce to the Real People USA audience in California and in all 50 states, Brian Smith. Brian is running for District 1, Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors. Good morning, Brian. How are you today? Oh, Rick, I'm doing amazing. Thank you so much again for having me here today. Um, First, and let me just want to say thank you for your 12 years of service uh, in the Air Force and just for everything that you're doing. And as you even laid out in your in, in your description of yourself and what uh, Real People Podcast is all about, you said for such a time as this, and and that resonates with me because for those of you who don't know, the you know that's a that's a reference from the Bible when Esther is called to speak on behalf of the Jewish people, and she and she was she was told that she was created for such a time as this, that when other people wouldn't stand or when they didn't have the opportunity to do it or they couldn't do it, she stood up and she saved the people of Israel. And so she that's, was she was born for such a time as this. That's right. I am talking to the right so, person. <laughs> so, yeah, Brian. <laughs> thank you so much. Please tell our audience a little about yourself before you joined the Los Angeles County Sheriff De- De- Department. Yeah, so um, I was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll be 44 this year. So um, right now I'm 43 year old who worked for the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department for the last five years. Now, prior to that, I worked in the private sector in sales and retail. Uh, I, 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 I didn't like the corporate world. I don't, I'm not particularly fond of just being in a corporate world and trying to climb a corporate ladder and just keep moving up that chain. I didn't feel fulfilled in, in, in my purpose. So, I always had a calling for uh, law enforcement and, and really serving people in that capacity. So at the, at the, the late age of, of 39, I um, decided to shift careers and go into law enforcement. I joined the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department and I have not looked back. It's been amazing. It's such a, a privilege and an honor to be there. I had my first um, daughter when I was 21 years old, so I have a, she's she's 22, will be 23 later this year. And then I have a 13-year-old daughter, a four-year-old son, and a newborn who is just about to turn three months. So I have my hands full on the home front as well. 
And uh, yeah, so just again, this I'm not a career politician. I did not decide to run for political office because this is something that I sought after from a young age. This is something that I feel called to in this time. You know, even what you were just talking about uh, with with Esther and being chosen for such a time as this, that there's a reason why we're here in this place. There's a reason why we're standing up now. The last two years have really been a an eye-opening experience, I think, for many people in the in our um, in our population to be able to see what it looks like for the overreach of government and the direction that that, that our leadership has taken us thus far. And it's time for people to really start rising up and being more involved, more active, paying attention to to what's happening at the local level, and not just even the the, the president or the U.S. senators, but actually at the local level because they're the ones that are affecting the change. I know you're up in Sacramento, Rick, but you know down here in L.A. County, we we have we are essentially in Los Angeles County is being controlled by five. Board of Supervisors and the Director of the uh, Public Health, which is Dr. Barbara Ferrer, which I'd also like to know that she's not a, a real medical doctor; she's a psychological doctor. So she doesn't even have a doctorate in in any kind of medical field, and yet we're we were dealing with the last two years a medical issue, a, a supposed pandemic, and the spreading of a, a virus, how it was affecting people medically, and she was making decisions even though she doesn't really have the credentials to do it. So essentially, these six people—the five board of supervisors and director of public health—have been controlling the 10 million people of Los Angeles County with their edicts and their mandates. So it's time for us to kind of pay attention to what's going on in these local levels, and that's why I decided to jump into this race and come after Phyllis Elise and and remove her from office. Excellent, excellent. Well, they're controlling the 10 million people minus my son. <laughs> Because my right. son, he has had no part of this whatsoever. He lives in Santa Monica, and he just lived his life like nothing uh, was ever going on. So kudos to him. He's following the footsteps of his father. But Brian, Amen. I want to tell the real. I want to tell the real people, USA audience, how we met. I was on Twitter, okay. which is turning out to be a golden place to get the latest news happening in California and across the country. And you made a connection. I think you said back in maybe December, November of 2021. Her name is Allison Royal, and I definitely want to want to mention her name on this uh, this episode. She's an independent journalist, and she posted on Rumble a great investigative journalist piece about an American company named Fulgent, a genetic company owned by a Chinese American. And how Los Angeles County gave a no bid contract to Fulgent to do COVID testing. Please explain why this caught your attention, especially when it seems like LA County is one of the few places in America still continuing to act like people are dying on the streets from COVID. And why did you decide to run? And 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 please talk about that in depth for District One. Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors uh, to replace Hilda Solis. Yeah, that's a great question and a great uh, segue into where, where where we're heading. And yes, Allison Royal, she was, she did an amazing job on that piece. She had gotten in contact with me because she had seen another interview that I had did with a friend of mine that was just a little, and it was just a 
impromptu interview where we were discussing what's going on in Los Angeles County when it came to the employees. Uh, so Los Angeles County has over 110,000 employees across several different departments, right? So I happen to work for the Sheriff's Department, which falls under the umbrella of Los Angeles County Employment. And so the Board of Supervisors issued what they called a COVID policy or a COVID mandate um, back in, it essentially started October 1st was when it started. They, they put it all into writing. And then essentially as of October 1st, they, they initiated that policy. And it was basically gonna be, you will either agree to be, um, to accept a experimental medical treatment. I don't even wanna call it the V word because it's not, but to uh, accept this experimental medical treatment and or if you chose not to, you would have to be subject to testing weekly, even though you're not showing any symptoms. So let's make sure we're clear on that too. So the EUA, the emergency use authorization by the federal government that was put in place and is still in place today, it, it says very specifically in there that it, everything under the EUA has to be voluntary. Nothing can be mandatory. And under the EUA, if you are required to do any kind of testing, you have to show cause for such testing, not just the fact that you didn't receive the experiment, experimental medical treatment. You have to show cause, meaning you're, you're displaying symptoms and there's a reason why somebody wants to test you. You can't just go, oh, well, you don't fall into this category, so we're gonna ma make you test. That's specifically spelled out in the EUA. So none of the stuff that they were doing through this policy was actually in alignment with the, the Emergency Use Authorization um, Act. So anyways, this policy comes out and they con we find out they had contracted with this company, Fulgent Genetics. It's based out of uh, Temple City. And it's, as you stated earlier, owned by a, a Chinese American billionaire who, who built this, you know, this company. And that company I also like to note is now the majority shareholder and or stakeholder in FFG Binotech, which is based out of China. So they're in they're in cahoots with Chinese based companies doing exactly what this think about the name for a second, Rick. Fulgent Genetics. So my question that was that, that was uh, asked like that I started asking and that Allison brought up and we covered in the in the interview was why a genetics company if COVID is a cash cow the way that they're saying it is and everybody's making money off it there's pop-up you know testing sites there's all these there's millions of dollars being funneled into it there's tons of companies that were coming up with testing capability to say if you could test and do a, a PCR swab or an antigen swab why are we deciding to use as a county fulgent genetics that's the question a genetics company that is in the process that when they swipe when they swab your nose they will they will be able to maintain genetic material that's your dna and and also like to point out that that part of the swabbing of the nose and getting your genetic material they already also already have all of your personal data because you upload all of that into the database that they that they provide their portal and so now they have all of your personal information now they have your dna also there was a um 60 minutes this was what wave a little while back maybe early 2001 
that was talking about 60 Minutes. They had special agents on there that were describing about DNA mining, genetic material, that it's going to become a new commodity, that people are going to start trading in, G- in DNA and in genetics material. And they're saying that people need to be really leery of this stuff and that we are voluntarily doing it through through companies called you know, uh, Ancestry.com, 23andMe, and people are just willingly giving their DNA to these companies. But one thing to remember about any Chinese-based company, the CCP, the, the Chinese Communist Party, that government has, if you do business in their territory, in their region, in their country, you have, you have to give them access. They have 100% access to any material, any information, any databases that you have. So now all of this stuff was was ringing, you know, a false, like, a, not false alarms, just ringing alarms, like sirens are going off in my head. And I'm like, this is not making sense. Why are we doing this? So I stood up and, and, and began trying to speak on behalf of the Los Angeles County employees to get them, make them aware of this and that it was wrong, the wrong thing to do. It's not, not only is it unethical and moral, but it's also, I would say, illegal. And in law enforcement, you know, we are all sworn oath to, be, to follow orders that are moral, ethical, and legal. But we also have an obligation in law enforcement to specifically not follow orders that are illegal, unethical, and immoral. Or uh, uh, yeah, immoral. So this is why I stood up. This is why I started speaking out against it. And then, lo and behold, when we released the video of that interview between me and my friend, it led to. That was in October, like mid-October of 2001. And then by December 2001, the sheriff of Los Angeles County, Sheriff Villanueva, issued a letter to the Board of Supervisors saying that he was actually in contact with an FBI agent uh, for, it was actually, his title was like like um, coordinator for um, weapons of mass destruction. That was like the FBI agent's title. So this, this FBI agent reached out to LA County and got a hold of the sheriff and they were, she was trying to get a hold of the uh, board of supervisors and the powers that be. But Sheriff Villanueva took him at his word and listened to what he had to say. And he issued a letter saying that he will not compromise his employees by allowing them to voluntarily subject their personal information and their DNA material to this company because of its ties. And not only just his ties, Rick, because in the privacy policy of, of the Fulgen Genetics originally, because they revamped it after the letter went out by Sheriff Villanueva, they completely revamped their privacy policy. But we still have images of their original privacy policy. And in the very beginning of it, like the first paragraph or two paragraphs, it says in there that if you do not agree with, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but essentially it was saying, if you do not agree with the terms of service of of our website, and it uses the word please, but it says please, do not use our website or our services. And so to me, and then if you go on to read further, you'll see that they were talking about being able to share their information that they have with third parties that they, that they do business with to maintain your information for, positive, for, for possible future uh, testing uh, and or you know, whatever projects they're working on. It says that they would they would do their best to keep things. Nothing's a hundred percent, but they would do their best to keep things in uh, private per HIPAA and all the laws that we have in place in our country to protect our privacy. But 
they said it also stated that be advised that we also will store your we store the information outside of the jurisdiction that you reside meaning they will now store our personal information in databases in other in in other countries i.e. china right so if you're talking about now storing all our personal information in other countries outside of our jurisdiction with hipaa well that's a huge privacy concern mm-hmm. so so then when you go back to that first original statement where it says if you don't agree to these don't use our services then that's our that was the out for every county employee that should have been the out to be able to say hey i'm not using this service because the company itself is telling me don't use it if i don't agree right but now the county uh, the county board of supervisors and the, their policy is basically saying no we don't really care you're still going to use it because we have this contract with them you brought up earlier about the no bid contract so they have this no bid contract with the LA county to test all of their employees and be the sole company that does the testing so now if you're now if you have a bunch of employees that are no longer doing the testing then that's essentially a breach of contract because Fulton's saying no we're the ones that are supposed to be doing the testing nobody else they're supposed to all come through us we've provided you with all these tests they spent i think Allison breaks it down because she did a freedom of information act request and was able to get all of the contract information they spent i think 30 million dollars to get this contract with Fulton so wow. there's a lot of money on the line and then and then it turns out that that Fulton and uh some of these other companies that are backing Fulgent BlackRock Vanguard these companies are also um companies that have donated to Hilda Solis's campaign so and that's that's on record showing that she's received donations from these company companies and so it makes you wonder are is this a pay to place is this a pay to play thing like was she getting donations to her campaign and to her you know run for office and in lieu of that these companies are getting contracts with for the county why did Hillis Lee's push for this company to get contracts so much why does she have such uh, uh, t- strong ties with them why is she defending them as a company saying that their that their covid or their uh, privacy policy doesn't state the stuff that it states when we have it on record that it does and then the, and then a county the the through the personnel division of the county which the personnel manages the information of all you know 110,000 plus employees of the county through the personnel division Fulgent was getting our personal information all uploaded to their database through them through the county against our will we didn't even most people didn't even know that it was happening and then they were, and then we we received we were receiving the emails from an anonymous server so you couldn't respond back to it you actually even say do not reply but there was an anonymous server sending out you know mass emails to all county employees and it was stating it was in bullet there was a uh, bullet points on there and they were all the bullet points were in red writing and they were all highlighted yellow so it was very blatant like right there in your face and the fourth bullet point again I'm going to paraphrase but the fourth bullet point said something along the lines of if you're trying to mask your identity it 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 you, it doesn't matter at this point because Fulgent already has your information <laughs> because the county giving it to them <laughs> so my goodness 
that brings us that brings us to this place now where we're saying what what are we going to do about this are we going to stand and we're going to stand for for what's the right thing to do for righteousness for the people that don't have a voice or who aren't willing to stand up and i was really starting to be challenged and i felt like you know i'm a believer in, in the lord jesus christ i'll never apologize for that i believe in the bible i believe in the in a living breathing god that that speaks to his people and i began to feel the presence of god speaking to me saying you know in my heart in my spirit just saying i'm calling you for such a time as this mm-hmm. because you are you are bold i'm giving you a, a boldness and a strength to stand when others won't and to speak when others won't i'm giving you a tongue to be able to speak clearly and eloquently about these issues and make sure that people are becoming aware of it so i started feeling like man maybe i should do something more maybe i should start running maybe i should look at the possibility of running for a political office and then lo and behold i find i hold the solicitors up for re-election and that happens to be the district that i live in <laughs> and i was like you know what i'm gonna go after yeah exactly <laughs> lucky her so let's get her in, let's get her on the uh let's get her on her on her retirement but you know she's been an elected official for 30 years she won her first political office when i was a freshman in high school so in 1992 she won her first elected position and she's been hopping around from seat to seat ever since so for 30 years she's been collecting taxpayer money as her salary she's you know probably made a pretty lucrative career in this um and it's time for her to retire people do 30 years in the private sector and they retire so now is the time she needs to go and off into the sunset and we need to allow people to start you know coming into this position like myself to say i'm here to affect change and to do the best that i can for the people that i represent and then leave that's right not, not to, to, true true leadership rick right is training people to replace you mm-hmm. not not to maintain a position of control and continue to control everybody until your death or until you are forced to resign or retire true leadership is being able to teach train and equip people to be able to do what you do and to be able to speak on behalf of other people and to be able to replace you that's true leadership i don't need to stay here i don't want to be a career politician i i i i like you said earlier i'm a an active duty los angeles county sheriff deputy if i have to uh retire or resign that position getting this post I will do so but I also have already spoken to post POSD post it that handles all of the credentials of law enforcement here in California and I've already contacted post and I said what do I need to do to maintain my credentials as a law enforcement officer and because I don't plan on staying here I'm doing this for the right reasons and that's what we really need to start doing is getting you you said it earlier in your opening statement is to start that the people have started paying attention to what's going on around them and they're really starting to rise up and really start to you, you, real and people USA is a consulting which promotes and coaches candidates who believe in our US constitution as it was written so That's getting right. people in office that actually believe that hey man the constitution is the greatest government document in history <laughs> i want to go back to some things that you said uh sheriff alex villanueva is an awesome guy mm-hmm. and i did not know 
that's the reason why he 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 said he didn't want to subject his deputies to this testing. I know he said it, but I didn't know the background story. Now I do know the background story of why he said that. That that is yeah. And let me be let me be clear. Let me yeah. Let me be clear on that. I I can't necessarily equate that to to the interview I did with my friend. And if he ever saw that, and if that was stuff that he investigated through there, what I do know is that when he did meet with an FBI agent who contacted LA County as a whole, not just the sheriff's department, but LA County as a whole, and that's public record. He showed uh, Villanueva shared that in a in a press conference where he played the recording of the agent calling in and trying to get a hold of somebody. And so, but everything that that agent was discussing and the concerns that they had lined up with the stuff that we exposed in the video early on in October. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah. And that really is what led, yeah, that's what led to all of this stuff. It's and about it's, connecting it's the dots. to find us here now. It's yeah. definitely about connecting the dots. And uh, I just also want to say as a, and I, I do agree with everything you said as a person of, you know, military veteran, and I didn't tell you this, but half of my family is Cuban. And mm. we have seen this. I've, I've seen this story play out what's happening in California and in New York and other parts of the country. I've seen this story about this government control thing. And I've heard about it from my relatives, my older relatives, Marcelino, who is, who is gosh, 90 years old when he came to this country from Cuba and, and married my aunt, he told us as little eight year olds, he said, Man, never let the USA ever go into this thing where the government controls everything. And uh, I never, right. I never thought I would see something like this. Uh, even though when I when I went to school for economics, I wrote this paper that said, "What if America became like socialists or even communists?" I wrote this paper and I got an mm. A. And I never thought wow. that I would see what I wrote down on paper in 1991. You know, have you know, see steps progressing uh, toward that. So, I want to thank you for your comments. But I have a, another question. Now, you've told our audience okay. about your background. You work as an active LA County uh, de sheriff deputy. Now, people around the country may be wondering why a county employee, and I think you talked about it a little bit, why a county employee with amazing benefits, Brian, that most private sector people. Mm -hmm do not have access to is willing to step forward and run against the very people who have some degree of control. I'm talking about your personnel department and promotions and compensation and, you know, people who have control of your, your future. I, I really want to hear your answer to this question. And I think I might know what you might say, and I'll wait to hear your answer. Then I will add to it if I need to. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. So, and that is a good question. Uh, why, why would you even do this? Why does it matter? And it's just very simple that it, this is something that's bigger than me. It's bigger than just, it's, it's bigger than me just showing up and collecting a check every day or, 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 or having the benefits that I have. Yes. I, I where I work, I, I love what I do. Number one, that's most important. Number two is yes, it does. Um, I am compensated well, and I do have good benefits. But I, I alluded at it earlier that I'm a believer, and the Lord is my provider. The county of LA is not my provider. God is my provider. 
And I know that if he's called me to do this, that he will continue to be my provider. And so when I, when I look at it from that angle and that perspective, I'm willing to throw everything aside and say, this is a hill I will die on. That I will fight for myself, not just myself, but for everybody involved. Everybody that, that is in the same boat as I am. I've met so many people in this fight that are county employees that have already lost their job because they don't have a, the leadership that we have at the Sheriff's Department with uh, Alex Villanueva standing up for its people. And so they have people just kowtowing, you know, and, and, and walking that line and saying, yes, we'll go ahead and fire the employees that are not in alignment with this policy. And so I, I've been able to hear their stories and hear their heart and what they've struggled with and why, why it is they're opposed to it. Because maybe some of us don't all have the same view, views on it. Like maybe they just, maybe they have a medical condition and they're being denied medical exemptions or they have religious exemptions that they're, they're applying for, which that opens up a whole nother can of worms. Is it why would, why do I have to justify to anybody about what my faith is? Like if you if you're talking to an atheist who doesn't believe in anything that believes that we're just uh, evolved animals, highly evolved animals that are just here one moment and dead the next, what would my religion have mean to that person? If I'm having to interview with them and explain my beliefs, and they don't believe anything, why would I even think that they're going to accept my religious exemption? Mm -hmm. So there's people that are being denied the religious exemption and the medical exemption. Firefighters are being let go. Uh, LA, LA County firefighters, Los Angeles City firefighters. You know, a whole movement started with them, the um, Firefighters for Freedom with Los Angeles City Fire. So you've they've created this perfect storm of of hamstringing the entire public service sector, and they're having to close down fire stations or and or or just shut down trucks and maybe just operate with like you know very limited resources because they don't have enough staffing they've um they're understaffing uh the sheriff's department and they're wanting to get ready they just recently the board of supervisors voted to remove the authority of the leadership of all departments i think honestly if you ask me I would say they're really their real target was Alex Villanueva. They were really mm -hmm. trying to go to war with him and attack him and his department. So, but there was about eighteen thousand on record, about eighteen thousand uh, county employees that are not in alignment with this LA County uh, COVID vaccine policy. And out of those eighteen thousand, four thousand of them are, are sheriff employees sheriff department employees so if you it, imagine and they so what they wanted to do is they wanted to take the authority away from the leadership of those departments and give it give the ability to discipline and or fire employees to the director of personnel over the count over the county so you're now giving the authority to a entity that has no background with you as an employee they don't know what kind of work ethic you have they don't know what kind of uh, employee you are they don't care about any of that they just want to say hey did you comply with what we told you to do and if no then we can start disciplining you and move towards firing you 
And so imagine if that does happen and that goes through. And again, this is the five board supervisors voting to give themselves that authority and that power. The only one that stood against it was uh, Catherine Barger out of the fifth district, which she said, no, she doesn't vote in favor of this. But the other four of them were voting to give themselves the authority to do it. So imagine 4,000 sheriff employer employees, uh, whether they're deputies or civilian staff. Imagine that coming off of, we're already understaffed as it is, and now imagine all of those people going away. And, mm-hmm. and or even the ones being, maybe not even in that 4,000 category, but because they see what's going on and the direction things are going, and they're like, you know, I don't want to work for this department anyways, and they decide to retire early or to lateral to other agencies, which is already happening. And so it's just going to make the department that more understaffed, to make the streets that more unsafe. So this is, it's mind boggling to see what the, what these people are doing. And it's really just, you have to excuse the, the figure of speech, but it's, it's really just a pissing contest at this point where they're saying they want to see who, you know, who's going to, you know, piss further. Like, Hey man, we're going to see who's, who, who has the, the bigger, you know, you know what? So mm-hmm. to speak, like, hey, we're gonna dig our heels in, and we're gonna stand. Our, we're gonna dig our heels in, and we're gonna we're gonna stick by this policy because we don't like you, and we don't like that, and they don't want to admit they were wrong when it's all said and done. That's really what it comes down to. It's a pride issue. They're very mm-hmm. the the board of supervisors right now are very prideful, and that and Barbara Fer- Ferrer, the the county health director, very prideful to be able to look yourself in the in the mirror and say. You know what? Maybe this wasn't the best decision that we made, locking everything down and masking everybody and closing businesses down. And, you know, maybe this wasn't the best decision. And, and maybe this C-19 issue wasn't really as big as we thought it was. And really humble themselves and then retract a little bit. No, they've, they've dug their heels in and said, no, we're going to stand by our, 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 our policy that we've created. And we are going to keep working towards trying to fire you guys. Exactly. And it's Again, just mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. The, the only major metropolitan area in the country that is still still doing this, it's almost like uh, Los Angeles County, not even Orange County to the south, not even Riverside County to the east, mm-hmm. not even Kern County to the north, but just L.A. County mm-hmm. as if COVID has its own variant in Los Angeles County. Mm-hmm. Now I want to I want to add right. to what you said about um, the reasons why you step forward, even though you have these great benefits mm-hmm. with uh, with PERS and STRS and as a uh, as a county employee, state employee. I also believe that you took an oath of office to serve and protect, just like mm-hmm. people like myself, military veterans. We swore to protect and defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, with emphasis on domestic. Right. Okay, so that's right. So I believe your calling was God saying, hey, you know, step up to the plate. But also you took an oath, just like three million veterans in California have taken oaths of office to protect our Constitution. So I believe it was a natural mm. response for you, a natural and, and mm. spiritual response, but also, like I said, a, a natural response because you drive around in, in your in your squad car running to the fight. 
every day when you don't you know sheriff deputies don't run when the lights are on you're not running from the fight you're running to the fight mm-hmm. just like our armed forces right. personnel run to the fight so i be- i do believe yeah. that since you did take that oath of office as a sheriff deputy you said well here's another here's another thing i need to run to which is our yeah domestic problem that we seem to have so here's my next question um let's say you can get inside Hilda Solis's head hold hold, hold on Rick yeah hold on Rick let me one before because you added some great stuff so I wanted to kind of piggyback on what you said real quick and then we'll go to the next question because that's okay so I want to make sure we emphasize the point that you said because I think people hear it often and it's just a catchphrase to them or it's just kind of like a figure of speech when you say uh, you know, protecting the Constitution of the country, the county, uh, the state of California, wherever, when we're swearing an oath, it's for, against enemies, foreign and domestic. That's not just a simple phrase. No, it's and not. It's enemies, foreign and domestic. Domestic. People, when they think domestic, they think some kind of domestic terrorist, some kind of radical, you know, whether they're right wing or left wing, some kind of radical group that's, start, that's living on a compound somewhere. No, a domestic entity can also be your people in authority and people in power beginning to control the, your 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 very livelihood and so when you see that stuff happening and also to be clear because other people are going to be able to hear this so and you use the analogy of driving a squad guard to danger like i don't i still personally work in the custody division but i'm dealing with at at, at twin towers in, in la county Twin Towers have became the hub for all of the inmate population who have supposedly contracted the the virus and or have symptoms, displaying symptoms of it. So they're bringing them all there because we have medical facility there in, in the facility so that they can be monitored and, and, and looked after. So, yes, we're dealing with that. And I want you to understand that even that population, we're running to them to help them because they're frustrated, too. We have... We have an inmate population that are very upset because they're being held longer than they should. They're like, why am I even here? You guys are putting me here. Well, we need to test you. Dude, I'm not sick. I don't have anything. Yeah, but they tested you when you got booked and it's saying that you're positive. Yeah, I'm not positive, dude. I have no symptoms. I don't feel sick at all. I feel fine. I want to get out of here. Yeah, well, unfortunately, they won't let you go to the courthouse right now because you tested positive. And so I'm trying to put fires out with these guys because they're they're being held there in their understanding they're being held there longer than they need now if they post bond if they you know if they get a release path they they go we, we let you know they're not being held there longer for that but it's definitely delaying their pro, their program release when they get released to a program they can they could leave but the program is saying oh he's sick right now or he tested positive i don't want him here so now he can't go um people that have been sentenced to prison uh, the prison population doesn't want to bring people who test positive, so they're re- being required to test prior to b- taking a bus to the prison. And if that comes back positive, they're not, they can't go to prison. So it's really, it's, it's created a bottleneck of just chaos. And so, yeah, we're standing and we're fighting for everybody. And when, I, when, we're, when I'm talking to the inmate population and I'm trying to explain to them, I'm, uh, you know, I'm kind of one of the the odd ones out that actually will explain this stuff to them and try and help them understand and keep them calm. 
And it's just it's disheartening. I think a lot of activists and a lot of people they think that they know better and they go, Oh, these people, these poor inmates, you know, they're they're being mistreated or they're being um they they're not they don't they're not being looked after properly. No, the inmates are just as frustrated as the employees of Los Angeles County and they're tired of all this stuff anyway. So so yeah, I just wanted to add to that what you had stated and, and kind of what was uh, what we had just discussed. So thank you for letting me Well, thank you for that because I did not. I was totally unaware of the you know the, the transitory inmate population, you know, being affected by this stuff. Um, wow. So I just want to I just want to add yeah. before I continue with that question. Los Angeles County residents, the people work for you. It is not the other way around. People, when, when you vote, when, you, when people vote for people like Hilda Solis and and uh, and Sheila Cool and and uh, the the other guy, I can't think of his name. Um, you're giving consent to be governed. That's one of our uh, uh, features of our U.S. Constitution. We have to give consent to be governed, and if we do not give consent Correct. to be governed. That means they must be doing something wrong, and they are. So here's my question about Hilda Solis. Let's say you can get inside of her head, Hilda Solis's head, to learn what she is thinking. Do you believe Hilda Solis is putting L.A. County's best interest? I'm talking about the residents of L.A. County. Or is she putting their best interest first? Huh. Yeah, that's a huge, uh, that's a huge ask because we can't really, you know, I can't say for certain what she's actually thinking. But if I'm just on the outside looking in, and I'm able to see, her, maybe make an opinion or an observation based on her actions, I would say the answer is no. She is not putting like county's uh, citizens' best interests first. Uh, she's. Again, a career politician. She's been there for 30 years in some elected capacity. The constituents of Los Angeles County have voiced over and over their concerns uh, on a large scale. The things that have upset them, whether it comes to public safety and the defunding of law enforcement. Or it's the homelessness issue with the streets being littered with homeless people that um, are not being... Uh, taking care of properly, providing the right services and or shelters or solutions to the challenges they're facing. They just rather just let them stay out on the streets and and litter the streets with, with feces and drug paraphernalia. And, you know, a lot of them are mentally ill and that stuff's not being dealt with. The transparency of the, the budget and where all this money is going again we talked about you know Fulgen genetics earlier and the 30 million dollars it was given to them and you know the underfunding with the budget of you know not giving proper funding to so let's use uh, the homelessness as an example so the, the sheriff's department has what's called the host program so homeless outreach service team right so host h-o-s-t that the host program is providing tremendous results out on the streets because they're working in conjunction with a mental health team and a medical team that are going out and they're encountering these people on the streets and they're saying, what can we do to help these people and get them the services they need? Let's go to these encampments. Let's talk to them. Let's see if we can offer them a service and or a shelter or something that can get them off the streets. 
And they're, they're actually producing tremendous results as compared to maybe some of the other options out there. Well, that, that um, unit of the sheriff's department, the host unit, was originally only budgeted and allocated money for four deputies. Four deputies and a sergeant, so five people. Yeah, and yet you're 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 trying to cover a a, a square footage or square mileage that that has ten million plus people in it, and that's your that's your team, really. <laughs> so uh, Sheriff Illinois had reached out for for more resources to get more staffing for it. They said no, and then he had to go later and to ask for discretionary spending to do it to start allocating people to go over to it to expand it a little bit, which he was he was given. Uh, I guess he was able to expand it a little bit, but that was that was through discretionary spending. When I I actually confronted a Hildesley staffer about that face to face, and she had the audacity to tell me. Well, the sheriff doesn't have his own discretionary spending. He still has to come to the board for that. And I looked at her like just like bewildered that she would even just say that. And I'm like, do you realize what you just stated? You stated that with such certainty as if you were proud of that fact. If that's true, what you just stated, that he has no discretionary spending and he still has to come to the board for it. And that you guys are the ones that are allocating the money for it. If he was properly funded in the first place, he wouldn't have to ask anybody for discretionary money. But because he's not properly staffed and properly funded, he did have to go to discretionary spending. So what you just stated is wrong on its face. And she kind of like looked at me with like deer, deers and headlights like she didn't know what to say. And I said, you know, and she goes, well, they're not understaffed. And I said, they are understaffed. If, if you have... The numbers have been run for the population of Los Angeles County and the amount of deputies that are able to patrol the streets. And we have, the Sheriff's Department has 0.9 deputies, 0.9 for every thousand residents. So we have, oh gosh. and those numbers are getting worse because we're, we're losing people, right? Yeah, exactly, oh my gosh. We have not even one full deputy for every thousand residents of Los Angeles County. And, and she looked at me and she goes, that's not an accurate number either because the, the, the sheriff's department works in conjunction with other local agencies. So that's why that number looks different. And I looked at her and I, she didn't know that I was a deputy. So she didn't really know that I knew what I was talking about. And I said, are you out of your mind? I, you don't <laughs> even know what you're talking about. I, I, I don't even know why you're even opening your mouth at this point because you're, 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 you're not even speaking truth. That's not how it works. The sheriff's department patrols the unincorporated areas and the contract cities, and they control, uh, for safety reasons, they control those those jurisdictions. The local agencies don't cross into that jurisdiction and start patrolling and doing police work in those jurisdictions. That's strictly the sheriff's department. Likewise, the sheriff's department doesn't go over into the local jurisdictions that have their own police agency and start doing police work in there. That's what those police agencies are for. So the fact that you just said that means shows that you have no idea what you're talking about. And again, deer in the headlights. Yep. And this is and, and this is why. So again, back to Hilda Salih. That when I spoke to that staffer, that was at an event in Hacienda Heights, um, local uh, city down here in, in, uh, in the South San Gabriel Valley. Who, who is ne- that jurisdiction is now part of her 
part of her district because the district lines were just redrawn. And she did a meet and greet with her staff down in Hacienda Heights. I didn't even know she was going to be there because the flyer said, come meet the supervisor district one staff. I didn't know it was going to be actually her there. She was there. She kind of hid in the back. I was there. She kind of hid in the back. And then she kind of, you know, wormed her way up through the crowd to the front, which again, let me just kind of throw this out as a caveat, as a little, uh, a little show of, of the theater that's going on in LA County. She walks through this crowd of about 30 to 40 people not wearing a mask. Now, it, it was in an open air space, but it was kind of closed off. She walks through this crowd and doesn't wear a mask. You know, people kind of, oh, hi, hi. And she just didn't really say much. She kind of just passed through them all. Stood up at the podium, talked for 10 minutes at the crowd. Again, no mask. And yet, while they do their Zoom in the chambers for the board of supervisor meetings every Tuesday, they're sitting there with masks on, with nobody around. The public's not even allowed in the chambers yet. And yet, mm-hmm. here she's in this space with no mask. So it's all theater to them. They do it, you know, it depends on where they at when, when they decide to wear a mask. So she goes up, she talks at this crowd for about 10 minutes, basically telling them, and it was kind of a, if, if people are honest about it, it kind of exposed her a little bit where she was basically saying, oh, you know, I don't know if you guys knew this, but in 1994, I was your assembly representative here in, in Hacienda Heights. And, I, and, I'm, and to me, I look at that and go, yeah, that's part of the problem. See, these people don't even know who you are. They don't even know that you were the representative, but you're dating yourself and that you're saying that you have been an elected official for 30 years. Far too that's long. Embarrassing. Far too long. So she, and then she goes on to tell this, this community, this is where it gets me. And if I did this, I would be in, be in trouble with the law. She says, I'm going to build your, we're going to work on building an aquatic center for your city, for your community, so that you're, you're not just for your children, but for your elderly, so that everybody can cool off on those hot summer days. And she said that she was going to spend like $22 million from her own discretionary spending to help build this aquatic center in Hacienda Heights. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that sounds like you're buying votes. Mm-hmm. You're, you're now walking into a community of people that maybe don't know who you are, and you're throwing taxpayer money at them. I don't have the luxury of doing that. I don't have millions of dollars at my disposal. Now, if I was a wealthy businessman or entrepreneur and I had that kind of money and I walked into a place and I said, I'm going to throw money at you. Can you vote for me? I would be uh, in jail. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would be facing some kind of charges of, of bribery and trying to buy votes. But yet she can do it with taxpayer money from her budget. Uh, let's be, let's be clear. Uh, part of that said uh, pool aquatic center is part of Rick's money, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's part of my money. That's right. It's the taxpayer. It's your money. It's, it's my, everybody's That pool money should have, uh, I should have my name inscribed someplace on that pool if it You're gets right. built. Right. And knowing, knowing her, again, you asked me to get in her head a little bit. There's a good strong possibility that she'll try and have it named after her, the Hilda Solis Aquatic Center, you know, because she's the one trying to help have it built in this community. So again, this goes back to and points to the, the corruption that's in government, the the overreach of government, the uh, part of my campaign is uh, one of my platforms is transparency. I mentioned a little bit earlier about being transparent with the budget, especially making sure that everybody understands where every sing- single penny is going in the county. 
And so when we look at, again, back to your original question of getting in her head, is her best LA County resident best interest first? And no, it's not. So if you look at even the homelessness, I brought the host program. Well, why is, why are there so many of these nonprofits, these pop-up nonprofits that the CEOs of these nonprofits are making six figures and yet the homelessness issue is out of control? There's no, Man. there's no success behind it. There's, Man, there's don't nothing even get me started on that no, question. There's just, yeah. And there, but see that, and that's, so is that the LA County's best interest first? No, it's, how are these, how are these people getting their pockets lined while this homeless industrial complexes continue to expand and 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 nothing's being resolved my i i want to reach out to and you know hopefully people that hear this podcast understand my heart and where we're going like why have, yes it's a ministry but why has nobody reached out to the dream center why has nobody talked to matthew barnett and maybe it being a ministry you don't want to you know overlap government with with a religious organization but he obviously has a template that's working and if the Dream Center is providing a, a resource and a tool for veterans that are all coming off the street, for prostitutes that are being trafficked, getting them off the street, for ex-gang members getting them off the street, and providing something that's going to give them shelter, for foster kids that are going to be fought, that are going to be timed out because they reach 18, they can't be in the foster program anymore. They have all these things in place to help people and give them a resource and a place to live or, or get them on their feet. If they're producing success, why are we not trying to mirror that? Why are we not trying to talk to them and say, what are you doing differently that we can glean from and learn from so that we can also produce results and have success? Exactly. So, you know, that's again, transparency. I think every LA County resident, you brought it up about that, the, the, the aquatic center. Every LA County resident should have, and I wouldn't know how to do this. I'd have to talk to an IT person, somebody that can help design it, but we should be able to access a portal with a spreadsheet of some kind on the government site that allows every LA County resident to click a portal, click a link and go into and be able to see where every single penny is going and to know exactly, oh, there, the money's being spent there. This is how much money is in the budget. The, the LA County budget is $39 billion mm -hmm. for the B. So Brian, you need you need to stop. There, there you, need to, you need to stop what you're doing. You're making too much sense. Why would you want to let the LA County right. residents know where the money's being spent? Please stop that. Yeah, exactly. And you know why? Because their names should be on it, just like you just stated, Brick. Having your name on the aquatic center or the residents of, of Hacienda Heights and La Puente to be able to say, Hey, wait a second, this is our taxpayer money. We want to know where it's going. Why is it being used here? Why are you funding these programs, but not these ones? Why, why are we, if we as LA County residents are concerned about public safety, why are you not funding our sheriff's department better? And, and which are allowing us to be safe. Mm -hmm. Why, why are you, you know, why is money being thrown to nonprofits, but yet the homelessness issue is out of control. So if, if LA County residents have access to that, and they could see it and it doesn't need, you don't need to have a finance degree or a legal degree to be able to decipher what that spreadsheet says you should be able to see it very plain as day here's the budget this is how much money we have this is how much money was spent here and was sent to this organization and then be able to see the end result and say okay this is the results they're producing lasa lahsa lasa 
That's the homeless shelter program that is currently in place in, in working with LA City, working with LA, um, LA County. Um, LASA is, I think they, the last financial report they released was 2018 to 2019. And they spent, I think they had allocated $300 million dollars and out of that 300 million dollars and i think at that time there was somewhere in the ballpark of 30 to 40,000 supposed counted uh, homeless people on the street they were able to provide a service or a shelter for a big whopping 800 of them <laughs> so you're oh, telling me that. you spent 300 million dollars yeah 300 that was in 2018 to 2019 so mm-hmm. who knows what the numbers are now but you helped 800 of them a little over 800 and it was you spent 300 million dollars is that a good use of money yeah garcetti so, that was a little garcetti uh, shining project i mean what, what great work uh to uh you know totally not use the taxpayers money in a in a, an efficient and effective way that's uh that's garcetti for you interesting right right man i think you have yeah. a lot a, a lot of things to say I, I, I just want to say that it seems like in Los Angeles County and up here in Sacramento, and I used to live in San Francisco, too. It seems like and I could be wrong. So this could be a conspiracy theory, Brian. It seems like yeah. some of these people that are running in these working in these positions, they're trying to do their best to make things worse so they can go out and say, oh, Gosh, we need more taxpayer money because we made things worse. So give us taxpayer money right. and this keeps going down. And I think before I ask you to let one of the last questions, I believe the second best way to get wealthy in California is start a nonprofit that does absolutely nothing. Right. <laughs> exactly right. And, and I could talk that, about that for a, hours. Maybe I will. Yeah. I have lots of information on on these nonprofits that are started by, you know, friends of elected officials or sometimes the elected officials themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes a money laundering. They're, I mean, essentially that's what they're doing. Oh, we can't say that on the, we can't say that on the real people USA podcast. We can't say money laundering. (laughs) So anyway, here's my, here's my last question. How can district one residents and any person in California and even across the U.S. support your campaign because what see a lot of people in, in across the U.S. They see what's happening in California. I'm from Florida with the great governor, Ron DeSantis, who is trying to keep things in order That's there right. in Florida to protect people's life, liberty and pursuit of happiness. And I and I have a friend that's running for office there back in the Tampa area, and she is looking at the things happening in California, and she has told the uh, you know Tampa Bay residents, let's not let what's happening in California infect Florida. So, how can people in, in California, right. District One, and across the country support your campaign? Yeah, thank you, Rick, for bringing that up. So, I mean, we're getting a lot of great feedback right now um, from just everybody in the community. I'm I'm, I'm getting people that are. I mean, I'm, I'm not Brian Smith. It doesn't get, 
I hate to say it, but it doesn't get any whiter than that, Brian Smith, right? And I don't speak Spanish, but I have a huge following of the Hispanic community that are trying to reach out to me and they're speaking to me through interpreters. You know, people are translating for them and they're saying how much they appreciate what I'm doing, that they cannot stand Hilda Solis. They feel like they have a deaf ear and a blind eye to any of their concerns. So I've had a tremendous, all the way from East LA, Boyle Heights, Monterey Park, uh, down into Whittier, Pico Rivera, Walnut, Pomona. The, the, the district spans far and wide, like uh, you stated earlier, about through the, basically across San Gabriel Valley. And people are fed up. And so I've been getting great interest. We've had a lot of people sign up on the website and subscribe to it, ask to be volunteers, are asking to be volunteers. People are willingly doing that. They're also uh, getting, I'm, I'm getting donations through people and it's really grassroots because these are people that are fed up. They're people that are tired. They're seeing one of their own, so to speak, somebody that's just an everyday hardworking American that's saying we, we need to, we need to get rid of those that are seeking political power, political positions strictly because they're, that's what they do. They just want the position, they want the authority, they want the power. We really need to get people in there that are really going to get our backs and really try and speak for the people. And that ties into the tagline of, of our campaign is a voice for the people. Brian Smith, a voice for the people to allow people to have their voice back because nowadays they don't have it anymore. So again, yeah, I've been getting a, like, there's been tons of people subscribing to our website. Um, there is a subscription uh, link on there. There is a volunteer link on the website. There is a donate link on the website. So it's Brian, B-R-I with an I, Brian for the number four, Brian for LA supervisor.org. Brian for LA supervisor.org is the website. And like I said, those different links are on there. You have my platforms are listed on there. Uh, there's a couple videos posted on there as well. And uh, please reach out, uh, subscribe. We need subscribers to come on. We need your votes. We need your support. Donations is small, you know, five, ten, fifteen, twenty dollars. The most somebody can donate is fifteen hundred. I'm not asking for fifteen hundred. If anybody hears this and they say, "Hey, you know what? I got fifteen hundred. I'm going to back this guy," but I, I understand that. I greatly appreciate that. We we cannot thank you enough. We cannot do this by ourselves. We're really pushing this as a grassroots movement to, to, to allow the people to have their voice back and to get what, what the founders created by truly a representative government, a government that represents the people by the people and for the people. So uh, yeah, uh, June 7th, the election's coming up. So May 9th, everybody should be start getting their ballots uh, in the mail. Uh, sample ballots are going out. You should already have gotten those. I think I just got mine yesterday. And um, I think I'm the middle person listed on LA County Supervisor one. So it's, there's, there's two Salises listed and there's Brian Smith right there in the middle. Please uh, look for my name. I need your help. I need your vote. I, um, and think about this for a second. If 10 people that hear this podcast go and tell 10 other people who then go and tell 10 other people and you guys are all subscribing to the website where you can get updates. You're all donating five, ten dollars. Doesn't matter how small. Imagine how that'll compound on itself. Compound interest is the uh, Albert Einstein said. Compound interest is the the most powerful force in the universe. So let's allow compound interest to to build on itself. Let's grow this movement and let's get Hilda Solis out of office. Let's, let's create history. This is going to be history making. 
So May 9th, ballots should be hitting the homes. So people can start voting through mail-in ballots or they can vote on election day, June 7th as the election date. Excellent, excellent. My son lives in uh, Santa Monica, uh, Brentwood, and I'm sure he will donate because he's a 25-year-old techie, graduated from Cal Poly Pomona. And he told me, he goes, Dad, he goes, Dad, I know you were in the war. That's what he calls it, the war. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I say, yes. He yeah, goes, but right. Dad, living in Los Angeles County and living in Santa Monica and and seeing the small businesses being affected and impacted and people losing uh, uh, things that they 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 worked hard for for 20 years 30 years he said he feels like he's been in the war there in los angeles county and he is not supporting anyone that wants to continue this this devastation of one of the most beautiful areas in the world i went to spain uh two and a half years ago right before COVID. And people were asking me, the Spanish people of Barcelona were asking me, how is Los Angeles? What is Los Angeles like? Well, I was telling them a different story Mm. then than I would now. So, Brian, I want to thank you for getting in the District 1 Los Angeles Board of Supervisor race. Many L.A. County residents are cheering for you, especially someone who is close to me, like I mentioned to you on the phone, who wears the L.A. Yeah. County Sheriff Deputy uniform, just like you. So thank you very much for what you're doing. Yes, thank you. Again, this has been an honor and a privilege of mine just to be able to interact with you yourself, your podcast audience, and just as I'm meeting people all across Los Angeles County in the cities, small business owners, the residents of the District 1 uh, this has just been an honor and it's been an amazing experience. And so I'm looking forward to meeting more people and uh, being in touch with many more via the phone, uh, my website, emails. Um, again, my website, Brian, for the number four, Brian4LASupervisor.org. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at Brian4LASupervisor and Brian4LASUP, S-U-P, on Twitter. So, which is where we met, Rick. So I appreciate this this opportunity and let's, let's make sure that we just continue to spread the word and we make history together as a movement. Yeah. And if you want, uh, come back again, uh, you know, next week and in and, and the next week and just give us an update because like I say, L.A., just like the movie, LA, Battleground L.A., just like that movie. Yes, right. That's right. <laughs> All right, Brian, take it care. Is. Have a great and we're day. being attacked left and right. Thank you. You too, Rick. Thank you.